This is Everything Elite, the world's best podcast devoted exclusively to all elite wrestling. My name is Aaron Bentley, and I am joined by two of my good friends. First, it's Nate, a.k.a. Epitasis, uh, our BTEologist. No, eliteologist, I guess is what we usually say. Nate, what's up? Hello, Aaron. Good to be back with you. Um, we just saw the new elite press conference this evening so we're uh riding a good wave of hype here i just figured out that you replaced the only for the previous tagline it used to be the only evolve podcast and now we're the best elite podcast which makes sense because there are other elite podcasts because people are actually interested in this promotion <laughs> heavy shots uh yes that's all true i'm also joined by Mike Spears, our OWE expert, and now it looks like maybe our AAA expert. Hey, Aaron, it's your friend, good old Mike Spears. And yeah, we get some AAA up in here now. I'm diversifying my expertise. <laughs> but yeah, it was a really cool press conference today, and I'm really stoked that we were able to get on immediately and have an, an kind of instant reaction to it. Yeah, so we're recording this right after the press conference, and you're going to be able to hear it uh, tonight, hopefully, or maybe uh, you'll be listening to it Friday morning. Uh, we're going to talk all about the press conference, go through that, talk about the AAA relationship. We're going to talk about how you can get tickets to double or nothing, uh, some new signings, some rumors. And we're also going to have, of course, the BTE recap being the elite recap from Nate. Uh, but before we get into that, I wanted to quickly remind you that you can uh, subscribe to Everything Elite either by subscribing to the full Voices of Wrestling podcasting network or just our feed. If you search Everything Elite on your favorite podcast app, you'll find us and you'll get all our episodes uh, as soon as they come out. You can also follow us on Twitter at EverythingAEW. And if you're looking for the hosts, I'm at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis. Mike Spears is at Fuji Heya with two eyes. And our uh, mostly absent co-host Aaron Taub is at AP Taub. But follow him. He's talking about, you know, whether the DSA is going to uh, is going to endorse is the word I was looking for uh, some DA candidate. So do that. All right. That's all the plugs. Uh, let's get into everything. So the big press conference was tonight at the MGM Grand Garden Arena pool, which was fun. Uh, spoiler alert. Unfortunately, no one took a bump into the pool, which is what we were kind of all expecting. Uh, but I guess the biggest thing which ended the show was. Kenny Omega, as we all expected, comes out. The news, I guess, from Kenny coming out was that uh, the Chiron said that he is an executive vice president. So uh, that led into Jericho coming out. We're getting Omega versus Jericho part two at Double or Nothing on May 24 in Las Vegas. Uh, but Nate, what do you think about Omega being an executive vice president? Executive Vice President Kenny Omega. Um, I don't know, really, because uh, executive can mean a lot of things, I suppose. Um, <laughs> and we, we basically we just know that he shares a title with the other members of the elite, the Young Bucks and Cody. So um, uh, do, obviously we, we, we have known that there was not really a choice to be made. All that stuff about him deciding between New Japan or WWE was not to be taken seriously which is why we pretty much didn't take it seriously uh and he was always on route to being part of this and furthermore being part of the management slash executive capacity of the company uh the noteworthy thing i thought from his 
entrance and appearance before Jericho came out was that he came out to the being the elite theme by Papa Buck, Matt Massey. Uh, they didn't, I, you know, presumably his New Japan music is owned by New Japan. Uh, he could have come out maybe to the Undertale music. I don't know. I haven't played the game, but that that would be fine. It seems to be Earthbound influenced. Uh, but yeah, that was kind of a little bit goofy. So we'll see if they, uh, you know, go hire Jim Johnson or go pick up somebody who can make them some original tracks for these guys. Now that would be a post job if they pulled out Jim Johnston. Uh, Mike, I don't know. I guess I wasn't expecting him to be no. uh, management, but now it, it does make sense in the end. Uh, but it this does make AEW feel like a big time promotion now. I think with with Kenny being there and setting up Kenny versus Jericho, um, it's when it really struck me. Like I thought, okay, this is becoming an interesting promotion. But at that moment, I was like, this can be a big time promotion that's going to compete at the highest level. Right, and just if you compare this press conference at NGM Grand to the one that they had out in front of the Jaguars Stadium, this was night and day. The production level was already picked up. There were people who worked in both WCW and TNA's production departments who were on site helping out with that. The, they had chirons for everyone. The lighting was good. The microphones, you know, other than I don't think a lot of them realized that if you have a live mic right next to another live mic, you're going to get feedback. But for the most part, it really did feel like it was a overall a major promotion and something that I don't think many people noticed, but I picked up on it and I merely wrote a note about it was Kenny had on a gold tie and he had a teal pocket square. So that's of course the colors of the Jacksonville Jaguars. So I thought that was a nice little touch there, but it definitely really felt like this is now becoming more and more of a big time promotion. We'll get more into like the other partnerships that they've announced and all the new talent, but for how things have kind of, died off a little bit since the first uh, pep rally. This one really felt like this was more of like the, of a road to event, at least to a road to double or nothing. Yeah. And I want to talk a little bit more later about, you know, what, what are they going to do over the next uh, two and a half plus months to keep this hype going, but lots of announcements tonight. Uh, the presumed main event of double or nothing was announced. Uh, the young bucks come out. They're talking about wanting to, you know, make tag team wrestling a big thing again, especially uh, in this promotion. First, they bring out Best Friends, which was very cool. We get uh, Chucky e. T and uh, Trent Beretta out, of course. But that wasn't, of course, going to be the main event of Double or Nothing. An outcome, Pentagon or, El Pen or Penta L0M, I'll never get that right. And Ray Phoenix, the Lucha Bros, uh, who come out and attack the Bucks, uh, which ends with Pentagon giving Matt Jackson, no, Nick Jackson, a package pile driver right there on the stage. Uh, and it looks like that's going to be our, our, our first main event in AEW. Um, it, it might've been match action. I'm trying to, I'm trying to picture the shot in my mind. They had the yeah. camera down on one fallen buck looking up at the other buck in, uh, in Pentagon's legs. But uh, yeah, as long as this is a fashion, uh, you know, menswear sartorial focused, yeah, podcast um <laughs> best friends came out in scott hall cosplay everybody picked that up immediately that was all over twitter um our friend Rawl put together a good comparison and then uh trenty locks stole it from him and used the exact same images so <laughs> that popped me uh and then the lucha brothers came out in you know formal 
uh, clothes, but also, you know, sort of garish luchador menswear. Uh, just a <laughs> tremendous look. Just looks awesome whenever you have people wearing like suits and lucha masks. Just makes you a huge badass. Um, and yeah, that was a hot segment. The crowd, you know, appropriately freaked out for the Lucha Brothers, even though everyone knew that they were inbound anyway. Um, but, you know, the, uh, the one thing about this press conference that I kind of want to note is that aside from like one awkward chant at Kylie Ray, um, like the people, you know, they weren't doing ironic shit or whatever. They weren't chanting for Billy Gunn when he came out to pull Jericho away or whatever. They were chanting for the things that the promotion wanted them to chant for. Like they actually, because they're not poisoned by failed storytelling, like the stories actually pay off. Like, so you get the people that actually play along and play into the intent of the story. Yeah, I think that's a great point. There was, I forget who said this on Twitter, so I'm sorry for doing this, but they were uh, talking about the fact that I guess Edge and Christian are doing this show and I didn't watch the segment, but they did something clearly making fun of Bullet Club elite fans. And actually, I think it was Garrett Kidney who made this point, who said, uh, you know, it's kind of ironic that they would try to do this dumb characterization of Bullet Club and elite fans when the reason that this has become so popular, the elite thing, is because they always show respect for their fans and they treat them, uh, you know, the way that fans want to be and deserve to be treated. And so I think that's what you're getting at, Nate, is that that played into uh, what we saw tonight with the crowd that they brought. Yeah, I hadn't seen the segment, but um, yeah, that's something that always sort of uh, I picked up on when I started watching New Japan when Finn Balor was, you know, doing the Bullet Club thing. You know, they're heels, but if you're in the crowd and you think they're cool and you go to give them, you know, a two sweet, like they give it back to you because like, you know, if you're cool with them, they're going to be cool with you. It's like they're not just going to throw a finger in your face because that's the heel thing to do. Like they, you know, they, they sort of cultivate like a more of a group dynamic, I suppose. And one of the really important things about uh, the Lucha Bros coming out was that this seems to have uh, something to do with a partnership that was announced right before the show, which was with uh, the Mexican promotion AAA. Now, as we all know, Lucha Bros uh, were signed to Lucha Underground, and for that reason, apparently couldn't sign contracts elsewhere. Uh, this, as Nate's going to get into later, may be a, maybe a handshake agreement. Uh, but it does look like... AAA has something to do with what Lucha Underground uh, talent can do outside of Lucha Underground. Uh, they appear to obviously be on board with Lucha Bros coming to AEW. And uh, I guess that's going to be interesting as far as it relates to Joey Ryan and anybody else who is under um, Lucha Underground contracts. Yeah. And one of the things that is important to note about the AAA and Lucha Underground is that for a lot of the native Mexican luchadors, their contract Lucha Underground was through AAA. So when so when the Lucha Brothers left AAA, it was very acrimonious. And that's part of the reason why Penta has had four or five different names. And the same with his brother Phoenix was because AAA was being very aggressive about copyright, at least in Mexico. And also this leads into the fact that when Sammy Guevara came out, he came out with the AAA Cruiserweight title, which is something that, you know, they wouldn't have him come out with if he was being signed separately from that. I mean, you had other people on this on this press conference, too, that were affiliated with Lucha Underground. Sonny Kiss was on the fourth season of it. So it seems like that there's, there's a whole lot of stuff going on between Lucha Underground and its talent or former talent. 
as it relates to the AAA relationship. And it's going to be interesting to see how this is going to play, pl- kind of play over the next few weeks, because it's something that's coming to a head and it's going to come to head rather quickly. I'd kind of forgotten that Pentagon basically just, you know, flipped off AAA and said he was just going to do whatever he wanted. Both of them did. <laughs> and, and, and that was one of the reasons why, and this kind of gets a little bit into like OWE, because OWE is allied with a other promotion called The Crash in Tijuana that was run by Conan after Conan left AAA. So there's now like this interesting spider web that's being developed in the wrestling landscape of, okay, so... AEW has a relationship with OWE, who has a relationship with The Crash, but they also have a relationship with AAA. And because of OWE and Dragon Gate, that has its own things going on there. And it's kind of interesting how just January 1st, things have kind of started. And now we're seeing like a very big spider web to like spheres of influence inside of wrestling. Speaking of OWE, we got a, uh, a match announced for Double or Nothing that will feature OWE talent. Uh, SCU came out. And uh, as they're kind of waiting around for uh, or to announce their who they were going to challenge, uh, Shima comes out along with Dragon Fu, who is the CEO of OWE. And uh, they announced that there's going to be an OWE versus SCU match at Double or Nothing. So I know Mike's got to be excited about this. Oh, totally. And I really appreciate that Christopher Daniels made reference to where the two of them two of them, Shima and Daniels first met, they did Michinoku Pro together in 98. So this was like Shima as just within a year of him debuting was doing matches with someone who's, who kind of has the same body type as, as Christopher Daniels, but he's hot and spicy and tastes great. So like there was that going on then, but they, then they actually aired one of the big sizzle reels that OWE has put together where it shows a lot of their talent. There's, uh, I, I know that they have T Cool on it, Alvin and them, and, and they announced that it's going to be SCU versus Shima and two OWE members. They did not make any reference at all during this press conference of Strong Hearts, which I thought was kind of interesting because it, at least my initial opinion was until the more I've kind of reached out to people and try to figure this out was that it would be the Japanese Strong Hearts contingent because it's easier for them to get a visa in the United States than it is for China, but it seems that that's not going to be a problem. So we might be seeing some of the native Chinese wrestlers over here. And I think that could be, if it's put together well, and I have a feeling that SEU is going to let the OWE kids show off their stuff. It could be one of the moments to kind of steal the night. So I'm really stoked to hear about that. Didn't somebody say Shima and two boys or some sort of language like that? I don't remember that specifically, but it kind of... <laughs> Did I, don't I make think, that up? It, it, I may have made that up. You might have yeah. been thinking of Dalton Castle. You yeah. may have just saw a tweet. Uh, I, so it just made me think like, oh, we're getting OWE guys. We're not getting, uh, you know, Strong Hearts or even like Wentz and, uh, you know, the, the American yeah. guys that they've used. Yeah. I mean, I'll take all of them. I'll take, if it's, you know, Linda Man and T-Hawk, that'd be sick. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, that was the... You know, we had Sheem out there. We had Christopher Daniels, Chris Jericho on the show. As Mike mentioned, there is, you know, WCW people involved in production. Like, and that's really all I want. I just want WCW back because WCW is always better. Uh, yeah. And, you know, get some international relationships, get some lucha, uh, and let's do it. Yeah, this part ruled. Uh, and people kind of pissing on this match. It's like, well, yeah, maybe SEU isn't uh, my favorite thing ever either. But you can't help but be excited about the Shima Christopher Daniels thing. Like, that's very cool. Very cool. And 
Christopher Daniels, all those guys are the perfect people to put in a match if they use like the Chinese wrestlers who will be able to serve as great foils for them and put together a match that is going to let them shine. Uh, so I don't know. I, this is the match that SCU could be in that I would be the most excited about for this show. So I think it's great booking. Yeah, it's the same reason you put Christopher Daniels in a match with Stephen Amell's because exactly. you know, he's a ring veteran, ring general. He's going to, you know, uh, guide him through there even when he gets gassed. Yeah, I mean, he was the guy in TNA that they always would bring someone in and before a show, they would have him go run a practice match with to see if they had anything. So, and with like Frankie Kazarian and uh, Scorpio Sky, like Scorpio Sky is someone who's trained with a lot of the Tijuana and San Diego based luchadors. So, there's a lot of a common language that goes on there. And especially now that OWE kids have the famed trainer of the dragon system, Skyda in Shanghai for a while. So in a lot of ways, this is a perfect match, I think for all six people. And it's going to be interesting. I don't think this is going to be like the famed dragon gate six man at WrestleMania weekend of ring of honor. But this is a match that for me, at least is like a dragon system fan that now, May 24th has a very important match, at least to the can- overall canon of Dragon System. And I'm stoked to hear it. And also, I was really excited that Shima got up on stage, did his pose, and some people in the crowd did the pose back to him. That kind of surprised me. But yeah, no, this is this was awesome stuff. The stuff that they've really started to set up for Double or Nothing is very exciting. Man, with OWE and AAA involved, we got really lucky having Mike Spears on the show. Oh, very exciting. Imagine if Hio Defy King Oak like hangs out with some of the OWE kids. Someone <laughs> might die, but it'll be amazing. <laughs> All right. We've talked about three matches already, but we haven't talked about the presumed uh, AEW championship match. I kind of think that's what it's supposed to be. And that's Pac versus Hangman Adam Page. Uh, Page comes out uh, in street clothes, which I think Nate's going to talk more about later. And uh, we get a Pac video that interrupts him hilariously it was obviously a cell phone video but they put a a graphic on screen that said via satellite which was excellent um and Pac basically says you know bring your wear your cowboy boots uh, i'm gonna shove them up your ass you know all the good Pac stuff he was very good in this i thought and then uh adam page says that Pac is doing what he does best sitting at home which uh i thought was great so this is good this is a really well-built match uh, I guess the two guys, they have gone face-to-face. But, you know, not being able to do much physically, I think uh, this has been very well-built so far, and I'm hyped for it. Yeah, uh, I feel like maybe they're getting away from the idea of making this about the AEW world title because there was... That's possible. I don't, I don't think there was any mention of that this time around. It seems what they're pushing on uh, BTE and in Hangman's promo here is more about the physique angle between the two of them. Um, Pac calling Hangman a cowboy popped me. That was funny. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking maybe that was more like a mention to put Paige in that conversation. Uh, I'm referring to the mention on the first press conference. Put Paige in that conversation for an eventual world title situation. And then you have the, you know, that gives you the segue basically to Pac coming out with his Open the Dreamgate title. So I, I'm guessing that sort of might be what's happening there. Um, but yeah, this was, it was very funny that they put via satellite and it was obviously a cell phone promo. Pac was again, shirtless in it. Um, but there was no video actually <laughs> at the event. So everyone at the event was, you know, seemingly just staring at Adam page and listening to Pac talk from somewhere, uh, kind of goofy. Um, but 
yeah, you know, perfectly, perfectly competent sort of uh, dueling promos here. Yeah, and two quick things that kind of stuck out to me during this was during Pac's uh, quotation mark uh, satellite footage, he's in Japan right now on tour at Dragon Gate. Uh, they did not make a reference about the Open the Dream Gate title, which I think is kind of smart and probably a favor to Dragon Gate because Pac has a defense coming up on the 10th against KZ, which is a, considered a pretty big first defense for him. And they did make a bunch of they did make references. It was Excalibur making references about him wanting to about him being Adam Page wanting to be the ace of AEW, and that's the first time that I think they're using like that kind of couch language, getting a little bit away from the title, but still kind of classifying him as like the top guy, wanting him to be the ace there. And I thought that was pretty smart. And of course, I think Pac's one of the best promos, like especially old school heel promos in wrestling. So I'm glad that they were able to get him to do some video backstage. It looked like he was back, he might have been backstage in Cork, and to be honest, Dragon Gate had a show there on the 5th, but I love this. And though it, the thing that always kind of strikes me, and this even happened as we were gonna talk about like the road to double or nothing, was how much of a natural baby face Adam Page is. This guy is so awesome at like playing this character and he's a very personifiable person that it's very easy to root for him. and. To, get, to be behind him. So I, I love this part. And I think that kind of gives us our second big singles match on the show. And that's, it's kind of interesting. Like the stuff that's being booked, like there's two singles matches that are being talked about, at least two men's singles matches. It looks like we'll have a couple female, a couple women's matches as well. And then some tag matches, but it's, it really does feel like that we're getting a good dose of variety, at least as of tonight, looking towards double or nothing. Yeah, I guess it makes sense that they seem to be walking away, as Nate said, from making this about a title match, uh, because it's definitely going to be at best third from the top. Uh, so I, I guess it makes sense to not uh, make it seem like such a big deal. Um, and, you know, like you're talking about with Pac with the open Dreamgate title, I think there's a very strong possibility that Hangman's going over here. So uh, Dragon Gate may not want it to be <laughs> as uh, publicly stated that the Open the Dreamgate champion is is losing to Adam Page. But uh, we'll see where that goes. We've mentioned some of the other people already who showed up. We talked about Sammy Guevara, who uh, showed up with the Cruiserweight title and cut an okay promo, uh, just kind of a generic promo. But, you know, it's good to see him. Uh, we talked about Sonny Kiss showing up. Uh, it was actually the first talent who came out and uh, said that he was going to be in AEW uh, and that he was there because AEW is for everyone which I appreciate since it ties uh, Evolve into AEW <laughs> and keeps the continuity in this podcast. <laughs> uh, and of course, probably the person I was most excited to see on the show, Excalibur, who uh, showed up and did uh, some... He was kind of apart from Conrad and uh, is it Alex Marvez uh, who were uh, doing kind of the main commentary on the show. But there was some banter that made it seem like Excalibur and uh, Marvez will be the commentary team going forward so nate anything on on that group of of talent that we saw um i'm a big i know sammy, you're a big sammy g guy i am a, I'm a, somehow i became like the biggest sammy g guy in our corner of the internet uh yeah. he's just like fearless and doesn't give a fuck and does dives you know five rows into the crowd which is one of my favorite things to see in wrestling um and yeah he just has like a totally natural intrinsic heelishness because you just kind of want to punch him in the face all the time um so yeah the, the one good uh american indie talent that ddt manages to book 
Um, so like Sammy, like him being <laughs> added, of course we knew that he was inbound. Uh, I don't know if we mentioned on the show, but you know, Tony Khan followed him on Instagram a while back. Um, and then, yeah, Excalibur is cool. Uh, I don't, you know, he was probably a little bit out of his element because he wasn't doing commentary. He was sort of like emceeing an event, but not emceeing the event with the other MCs. So it's sort of a curious uh, position that they put him in. But, you know, cool to see the continuity from PWG and, and him, you know, moving upward in the wrestling world because we, we like him. Um, yeah. Um, but uh, I don't know if Mike has any thoughts on those, but my, your favorite person to see was Excalibur. My favorite person that was announced was uh, Yuka Sakazaki from Tokyo Joshi Pro, who Brandy Rhodes announced along with Aja Kong. Uh, Yuka is the magical half of the Magical Sugar Rabbits tag team that I previously put over on the show. She's great. She does the, the genie gimmick in Tokyo Joshi Pro. And we knew Aja Kong was coming in uh, for a few weeks now because Dave reported that. Uh, that's just cool. Cool to see Joshi get involved. Um, so, yeah, and any of you guys have thoughts on those? Well, those weren't the only women who were announced. We also got uh, Kylie Ray, who we already knew was signed, but she came out and made her debut. And she was confronted by Nyla Rose. So it looks like they're building toward uh, that match for Double or Nothing. That wasn't confirmed, but it looked like that's what we were getting. The most interesting thing about this for me was based on, uh, I guess, you know, I kind of said this on the show before, but based on Brandy's history uh, and rumors that they were going after Mayu Watani, I really thought there was more of going to be more of a stardom relationship. So I thought it was pretty interesting to see Yuka Sakazaki uh, from Tokyo Joshi Pro Wrestling. And, you know, Aja Kong is a freelancer at this point, but doesn't show up in stardom. So, I think it's very cool that they're going to be looking all around Japan uh, to try to find people. And based on tweets that I saw after Yuka was announced, Tokyo Joshi Pro seems excited about it. So I, I don't feel like they're poaching people as much as they're just going to be using uh, some talent from Japan on some of these shows. So that has me excited. Yeah, I um, I mean, really, Kylie Ray is a great ad. That's another, like, honestly, they, between Sammy Guevara Kylie Ray, Jungle Boy, and, and one other person who I'll get to later on BTE, like really just nailing all the people that I am particularly interested in on the indies right now. Kylie's the uh, AAW Women's Champion right now. She's the freelance uh, world champion or Chicago champion um, as well. Um, just total package, talented in the ring, just has that like inherent, you know, Bailey, uh, uh, Daniel Bryan like ability where you just like, you know, you want to see him do well, and they just seem like genuine and and smiley all the time. She's like, you watch the AEW uh, promo videos and stuff, and like she, you know, wins the world title, or like she comes back from injury and just like crying in the ring, and you're like, fuck yeah, Kylie Ray, well, you're gonna succeed. I want to see that. Um, I haven't seen Nyla Rose before, um, but good. It seemed like she was probably established as the heel here. Uh, and you probably do need a heel. I would think Aja Kong is probably coming in as a heel as well, it, whether you know she's in regularly or what. Um, but yeah, I understand Nyla Rose, we also think, is the first trans wrestler to be signed to a major, at least U.S. promotion, um, which is cool to see also. Absolutely. We get uh, a trans wrestler and an openly gay performer in Sunny Kiss. So it's like, uh, you know, AW is obviously the, uh, the wokest company in America. So... Yeah, I've changed my mind. I think billionaires are now super good, um, yeah. and they should probably just run everything. 
Yeah. Uh, I'm not I like government services are overrated anyway. Yes. When you have people as woke and as bay as uh Tony and Shad Khan. Yeah, I think that's clear. extremely genuine uh, uh language from me there. Yeah. <laughs> Mike, go ahead. I feel like you got something to add. Yeah, uh the the Yuka Sakazaki uh signing, I guess. I don't know if it's actually signing. I think it's kind of interesting because if I and y'all could feel free to, to correct me here. I thought that uh, Brandy Rhodes only did stardom when she was over in Japan. So getting a relationship with Tokyo Joshi Pro, I think, is really interesting. And it's just again, as I was saying a little bit earlier, the ever spreading spider web of wrestling now is and like Shinshiro Takagi, who is the president of DDT, of which Tokyo Joshi Pro is a part of, has made a comment when someone was asked about forming an alliance with AEW. So I, I think that's really cool. I mean, I think a lot of people are now thinking like, does this mean that Maki Ito could come over and that, and that could be something that could happen? But I mean, Aja Kong, like, look, I know that she's someone who's older now. I think that's such a great get though. I mean, and it's kind of like a natural thing to have just like the most fearsome woman in Joshi history, like out here and like already showing like, okay, we're taking women's wrestling seriously. And Kylie Ray was someone that, I only recently kind of got into when I started watching it when AEW started to stream on high spots and she's such a natural baby face and I and it's like seeing her matches like how much she's improved and I feel like that this will give her like a further opportunity to grow and then also with Nyla Rose kind of already having that face off there I feel like that there I feel like that just overall all elite has done a good job of defining people who are already supposed to be faces and heels here and that's something that kind of has been forgotten both in impact and in wwe so it's really nice to see that and I, that was something that kind of i came away from at least tonight's press conference thinking like okay we have like big heels like poxy heel obviously nyla rose looks like that she's going to be the heel with kylie ray and then mjf was on the pre-show basically just making fun of conrad thompson in the crowd so it's that means he's a baby face i i mean <laughs> I, I know there's a lot of people who hate mgf but I think his character is amazing, and I he is a heel who's really good at being a heel, and I respect that. So it's a very like old school heel act, right? You know, it, it, I appreciate his commitment to it. That's I mm -hmm. think the standout and the highlight part of it, and uh, the the gimmick that he's doing with the elite and with Cody in particular is you know fun enough. But um, yeah, a couple points on on that. I, I was being glib about you know billionaires and and woke bays and stuff, but. Uh, you know, of course, honestly, very cool to see them making a special effort to have diversity and representation in the promotion. Um, and then the other point about them not having any stardom wrestlers, but instead having TJPW wrestlers, uh, I'm guessing that might go hand in hand with the seemingly more strained relationship between AEW and New Japan, because what New yeah. Japan and uh, stardom have in common, of course, is the Ring of Honor working relationship. And, you know, I reason to believe that uh, uh, things are pretty icy between the elite and Ring of Honor. So totally makes sense if Rossi was like, hey, no, you know, we've got an American partner and uh, you guys may have, you know, Loki screwed them over by leaving or whatever. You know, of course, they have the right to do that, but you can understand how things like that happen in business. But, yeah, I think that uh, with Kenny, you know, talking about his story ending in Japan during his promo and being an executive in this company uh you know unlike jericho uh seems more likely that the AEW working relationships with new japan and therefore or with ring of honor and therefore new japan and therefore stardom are uh 
less likely than we might have once thought. Yeah, quickly on the stardom thing, I, I saw <laughs> I saw on the stardom Reddit. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what's what's become of your life, Aaron? <laughs> Jeez, man. Uh, Sonny, who uh, works for Stardom, who kind of runs like the uh, Stardom world and whatnot. Uh, there was talk on the on that subreddit about Mayu Iwatani and whether she was connected to AEW. And Sonny commented that uh, Mayu hasn't has a visa through ROH for the next several years. He said. So uh, his his point was that Mayu would not be working anywhere else in America for the next several years. Yeah, and those working visas can last as up to three years in the States. So that doesn't surprise me at all. And something that I think that we didn't touch too much on before, but it's worth really noting just because of how these companies work. Having a relationship with AAA means you absolutely will never have a relationship with CML at the same time. These two companies have not played nice ever since <laughs> ever since everyone left uh cmll to join to create triple a i'm especially with with pina leaving and conan leaving like that was such a big thing so and with the way that new japan operates their primary partner is cmll it's not ring of honor it is cmll so forming a relationship with cmll's rival basically is another reason why i don't expect to see anything going on between uh between all elite and new japan i did see somewhere and i couldn't verify it that there wasn't much heat for all elite about the about the best friends signing because that was a big to do this last weekend about both uh, chuck taylor and trent beretta not signing with new japan especially more so trent beretta when he verbally agreed on this contract and that there was a lot of kind of consternation about that so it's interesting like and going back to uh, women's wrestling and luchadoras, there's a couple really great ones that are under the AAA axis that would be incredible to bring in here if, if they're really going to go full force with AAA. I mean, AAA, there's always the caveat that it's AAA. They're, you don't watch AAA shows for the storytelling. You're watching them for other things. But, I mean, you have Fabi Apache. You have, you have Kira, who's now signed there. Uh, Lady Shadi has kind of been promoted kind of as like their new like female ace there. So there's a lot of like interesting relationships that are going that have come out of this and at least going after double or nothing, or maybe even more so on double or nothing, we might see some cool stuff out of the triple a side. This I feel is very unrelated at this point, but Fabio Pachi has worked stardom. So. <laughs> well, her sister was the uh, was a high speed champion for a while, right? She yeah. was, yes. Mari was, yeah. Just recently. Well, the, isn't there isn't there a younger Apache that's like a, a young girl yeah. in stardom also? Yeah, yeah Fabio. That's new. yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so, we'll see. We'll see them all. You know, Mania weekend when we go to stardom <laughs> show. Yes, yes, we will. So it is fascinating that there's like this world that's like New Japan, CMLL. ROH, stardom. And then there's AW, AAA, DDT slash Tokyo Joshi Pro, maybe? Like, yeah. And then DDT has like a thing with Fight Club Pro, which is uh, owned by a WWE talent, but not necessarily on the WWE access, although they did just have Tozawa on a show. Right. Um, OWE guys as well. So it's like, very, it, it's labyrinthine, if I pronounce that correctly. Yeah. And as we know, uh, labyrinthine lore is the best kind of lore. So I just live for this shit. And one of these days, they're going to put together like a giant organizational chart so we can see all the feuds and relationships or something. But yeah, yeah. that's fun. 
it, it just seems like what we what we are getting is what the three of us have talked about on this show, which is that uh, AEW is going to have contracted talent, and then they're going to have real independent contractors, people who are going to come in and work, but can also work you know anywhere else they want to. And it, it looks to me like uh, the the women's division may be a good place for that, where they can contract you know Britt Baker and Kylie Ray, kind of the the basis of the division. And then uh, bring in talent from Japan. Maybe they'll bring in uh, talent from Mexico, and uh, you can cycle people in and out. You can Love cycling, uh, keep it diverse, and you can make it uh, interesting. So I don't know. It's funny because this is a promotion right now that I don't watch AAA or any lucha. I don't watch Dragon System. Uh, they've signed some other people that I don't really care about, and yet they've got so much other stuff that I'm jazzed for, and. Then I think about, okay, maybe I don't watch AAA, but maybe it'll be interesting to see, uh, you know, a AAA guy versus uh, Kenny Omega down the road somewhere. You know, just like something weird that might happen. That'll be something I wouldn't see anywhere else. So uh, I don't know. I'm more and more pumped about this promotion. Come on, guys. Book Pagano versus Jimmy Havoc at the Grand Garden Arena. Have like I, I thought you were going to say Psycho Clown versus Kenny Omega. I thought that's oh, where you were going. Oh, oh no, Psycho Clown needs to go, needs to team with Shima. That's my dream. I mean, Ooh. Psycho Clown. I've, I've been trying to get Aaron on the Psycho Clown train all night, just basically by saying he has he has fists that shoot flames out of it. He is the most wholesome person in all of wrestling. <laughs> yeah, forget. I mean, forget the elite versus the new day or whatever nonsense that was. We need yeah. the elite versus the clowns. That's what's up. <laughs> come on, come on, Tony. Bring in Dave the clown. He is a real Twitch main eventer. <laughs> yeah, we got to do a meme. You know, that's like broke. Uh, young Bucks versus the revival. Woke. Young Bucks versus whatever. Bespoke. Young Bucks versus the clowns. Oh, absolutely. I mean, w one clown is canceled, but the other ones are wholesome people. So yeah, not cl clowns are uncancelable. You can't cancel a clown. Get real. <laughs> what about John Wayne Gacy? Uh, no, serial killers are hot right now, man. John Wayne Gacy's the next one up. They're going to talk about his art. John Wayne Gacy is a woke bay. I'm not afraid to say it. I'm coming hot with takes. Um, everybody needs to get off John Wayne Gacy's, Gacy's back. Uh, you know, self-care, something, something. All right. This show is now officially part of the Evolve Pod uh, family. <laughs> Did we say murder was good or why? Uh, we said robbing banks was good. That was right, a big that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll sign Nick Gage now. Come on. God, they got to bring in Nick Gage. America's last Volkira. I mean, right. do it. <laughs> All right, so if uh, you've gotten excited for listening to this uh, about uh, going to Double or Nothing, they did announce, since this was billed as a ticket announcement party, <laughs> uh, they did announce uh, some things about tickets. So right now you can go to AllEliteWrestling.com. Uh, there's a pre-sale thing kind of where you sign up and uh, you will get a code on Monday morning. I think it's at 9 a.m. you'll get the code. Uh, Monday morning, February 11th. You'll get a code so that you can get tickets. The point of this, they said, was that how everything's sold out for All In, that uh, they want real fans to be able to actually get these codes with the pre-sale. Not sure how they're going to stop scalpers from getting these codes, but I guess maybe they're going to limit the tickets more of how many you can get with each code. And then there will be a general on sale on Wednesday, February 13th. Uh, apparently, it's been stated already that they've had 12,000 requests for codes as of now. So that's I a good have, number to have. 
So yeah, yeah, just to uh, just to run down what we are reasonably confident the card will look like. Probably got Bucks versus Lucha Bros on top, Jericho versus Omega Two, Hangman Adam Page versus Pac, SCU versus Shima and two OWE talents, um, and then probably uh, Cody versus uh, a someone close to him, <laughs> and then uh, you know a women's match probably with Kylie and Ny- Nyla Rose. Uh, a women's match, obviously, with the Joshi involved, and then you know who knows another another all in battle royal with you know your Jungle Boys and Janellas and oh they did they also did an angle with MJF and Janella at the first presser, so maybe we have something there. And I'm guessing we get best friends in an actual two on two tag match because they've talked so much about you know this promotion focusing on tags. Hey, so. we know we know Dustin is a death match legend. How about best friends versus Jimmy Havoc and Dean Ambrose light tubes? Do it. <laughs> yes. So uh, that leads right into uh, some of the new signings. Uh, as Nate just mentioned on the Road to Double or Nothing YouTube series, they announced that they've signed Jimmy Havoc. So he's going to be part of the promotion going forward. Nothing about him on this uh, press conference. So we don't know what he's going to be doing at Double or Nothing. And yeah. There is, uh, of course, news out there that Dean Ambrose has given his notice to WWE. He's on his way out. Um, don't know what he'll do next, but I feel confident that AEW is going to make a play for him. My take is uh, they should not sign Dean Ambrose. Uh, I don't think over time he's going to bring anything to this promotion. Um, just not a... I think the indies have passed him by. I know this isn't an indie, but you know, the type of workers that are here. Yeah, the indie style. Indie yeah. I think it's passed him by, and he will he would pop something big at first, and then I think he he would be uh, a burden, especially for the kind of money that have to pay him. I think he's going to disappear out of the desert. I'm dead convinced of it. Like he's a different kind of dude. So like he just doesn't seem like the type that he. Uh, would necessarily jump to a promotion like this unless he gets like huge creative control. And I'm kind of, lo- I'm kind of with you, maybe for the amount of money that I assume that Dean Ambrose could get paid, not saying that he would be getting a deal. That's the exact same as WWE deal or more. I just feel like that they've already made a lot of really smart decisions on who they're hiring and who they are contracting. So I would spend the money elsewhere. I just feel like that, He'd be good for initial interest, but I mean, talking about the the uh, the ticket rally, there were over fifty thousand people watching this feed. There are already twelve thousand ticket requests for a presale code. Like, what really can he add that's different? I mean, he he's never been a ratings mover in WWE. He hasn't had a good WWE match outside of the Shield Six what Six Men match. So, like, I just I don't know unless he's going to go full on death match. And then he can have a match with Joe Leiter, like the AAA guy with the staple gun. Then, you know, if that's going to happen, if we're getting Dean Ambrose and uh, Jimmy Havoc versus Rey Scorpion and Joe Leiter or Joe Leiter and Pagano, then I'm okay because we'll get deathmatch out of it. But I don't know. I just don't. It just doesn't make as much sense as people are speculating. Like, I feel like that they think it's a good idea just because he's a WWE guy and WWE is now having issues keeping people. Doesn't mean that. He's the right move. Yeah, I'm going to play devil's advocate just because you both took the yeah. other position. Um, yeah, I think that is basically why you would want to get him because, you know, we've seen WWE ratings decline 
Uh, we've seen WWE houses decline precipitously. And a lot of that is born out of things like Dean Ambrose coming into the company, super hot, having his moment in the sun, seeing like he could be the next guy, and then just totally botching it and ruining him like they've ruined so many other things. So you have this whole core of WWE fans who are already, you know, have a tenuous relationship with that promotion because of things like this. You take a guy like a Dean Ambrose who they want to be invested in, even if they're not necessarily, uh, and, you know, give him some new life and say, look, he's over here now. And hey, we're going to let him do what he wants and, you know, be like a, you know, badass, moody, brooding guy or whatever it is that he wants to do. You know, that's going to draw some eyeballs. And, you know, 50,000 people watching the YouTube is great. Selling out some 10,000 plus arenas is great. But if they want this to be a week after week major TV promotion that's running basketball arenas and stuff like that, you're going to have to draw from some casual people. And those are going to be the only casual fans that exist anymore are the casual WWE fans because the WWE has killed every other type of casual fan. So you have to get those people, I think. So that's why I think, you know, I, I'm i not a big like Dean Ambrose fan either. I mean, there was a time when I was high on him because he was coming off the shield and was like a hot act. Um, and I don't particularly enjoy his work except for those shield six mans. But I think that's why you would want like a Dean Ambrose to come in and give a shot in the arm to something. I will say he did have Triple H's last good match at that one roadblock show right before WrestleMania a few years ago. I think that was the last time Triple H had a good match. So uh, you mean road, for that. You mean roadblock the end of the line. <laughs> That's yep, roadblock colon end of the line. Yep. And end I guess of I the, line. Say the the argument against Mike and me, the biggest argument is TV. Mm -hmm. So to the extent you know, there was Dave reported, Dave Meltzer reported that uh the elite folks met with you know some sort of TV uh people while they were in Atlanta for the Super Bowl. <laughs> I don't know what sort of TV is in Atlanta. That's uh, it's hard for me to figure out, but you know, maybe it's okay to drop a million bucks on Dean Ambrose. If you're a billionaire you need to get the TV deal and you're a billionaire. So money's fake anyway. <laughs> like it is like, you know, we're not the, the real limiting factor here is probably time and attention span for what they, you know, spend their resources on, you know, they have the, the capability to spend, you know, millions on whoever they want. Um, sure, there, there uh, is a budget. <laughs> and, uh, no, there's no budgets. When, um, uh, when we should also mention, I think that there was scuttlebutt about Chris Jericho wanting a Brock Lesnar match, and you know, it not being outside of the realm of possibility that AEW could make a offer to Lesnar. Like that's the kind of money we're talking about here. Like, For sure. So you know, Dean Ambrose was getting what like a million a year over five years or something. And he turned that down. So that's not his number one priority. Like if they can let him do what he wants and you don't have to pay him that much theoretically. So yeah, but that's, uh, that's my, I'm not even like a Dean Ambrose fan, but that's my right. argument in favor of hiring Dean Ambrose. Yeah. I just think it, I could be sold on, even though I wouldn't want to watch it. If they're really going to run two hours weekly, which was the argument or the, uh, the rumor at one point, maybe you do need, a name that more people are going to know than uh, than Kenny Omega as your as one of your top guys. So uh, I can see that, but it's just not something I would personally be excited about. The uh, other person that I guess has left WWE now, right, is uh, is Kenta, known as Hideo Itami in WWE. Um, I don't see any real chance of him showing up in AEW, but that would be great. I would be excited about it. 
Uh, either of you think there's more of a chance than I do that Kenta shows up in All Elite Wrestling? No, I would say probably Noah looks like the most likely landing spot for him. Now that they have yeah. new ownership who probably wants to spend some money. Um, and just, you know, just under that, maybe New Japan. And, uh, you know, he's got a history in Ring of Honor, too. He could uh, wouldn't have to move or could maintain some uh, contacts in the States and work for Ring of Honor a lot. Go work with Shibata in the New Japan Dojo. Um, but, yeah, it, it seems like AEW would be pretty far down the list of best fits for him. And also possible that he agreed not to work in America for at least some period of time. Yeah. Yeah, that wouldn't be outside the realm of possibility. It was specifically said by reporters that he, it seemed like that he was indicating that he wanted to move his family back to Japan. So I don't necessarily see Kenta ending up there. I don't really even kind of see him as a good fit also. And I just kind of it just kind of seems like he's someone that's going to either end up at Inoa. Uh, his best friend is the LA Dojo trainer for New Japan, so that wouldn't surprise me either if he ends up over there. But those seem like to be the two most likely landing spots to me with with New Japan and Ring of Honor making sense as well. So, nah. The other big uh, WWE rumor that's, that's relative uh, or relevant rather to us is there was talk going around that Randy Orton is at least telling people that he would be willing to sign with AEW. It's kind of suggested that it's more of a leverage play for uh, for Randall, but uh, gosh, if if you're not excited about Dean Ambrose in AEW, it's hard to get excited about the idea of Randy Orton running around uh, the MGM Grand Arena pool. Yeah, no interest in Orton whatsoever. <laughs> uh, like him being an obnoxious troll and running around the locker room shouting about, you know, hey, I'll go to AEW. I don't give a fuck. That's like the most charming thing he's ever done, maybe. Yes, I like um, that. Yeah, but you know, it's kind of distressing when I see like wrestling fans or McMahon fans like get excited about, oh, we can see or an RKO Kenny Omega. Like, what? Why would I can't like Kenny? Kenny would go 400 miles per hour in that match and Randy would be moving around the ring at six miles per hour and it'd just be a disaster. Yeah, it'd be like um, Kenny versus Cody. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was live for the first Kenny versus Cody. No, I was live for Okada versus Cody, and that was something. But yeah, I just the Okada only versus Cody was a lot better than Kenny versus Cody. Oh no, Okada versus Cody was terrible live. The the first Long Beach show was yeah. But uh, yeah, the only important thing I think I could see Orton bringing to All Elite Wrestling is Vapor's rights. That's really it. <laughs> Like, yeah, he's, he's the the only argument in favor of signing him is signing him to uh, agitate the WWE and right. communicates people, hey, we can sign whoever, which is, you know, has its value in a way. But uh, if you're going to sign him, then sign him to sit him at home like Lanny Poffo and pay him whatever millions he wants to sit at home. Yeah, give him his free plane tickets if he wants to just do a full Lanny Poffo. They should uh, they should sign Randy Orton just to have him come in and get squashed by Hangman. Okay, okay. Really put over Hangman when he uh, starts his title run. You know, that's it. Just one match. That's it. Deal. Okay. The other, I guess I, I said there was one other, but there's one other WWE rumor, which is that I guess the Usos may not be re-signing. Uh, at least a friend of the show, uh, Robert, seemed to suggest that WWE wasn't interested in re-signing them, which I thought was very bizarre because they're obviously uh, good fits to come and wrestle the young bucks in AEW. 
yeah, one of the few reliably good acts in the WWE um, and would have a natural dream match with the Young Bucks, much like the Revival. I mean, the Usos had that segment years back where they were basically doing a Young Bucks parody or tribute spots or something and, and doing a super kick party, basically. Um, but yeah, I, I, I would love to see that match. Uh, the Usos have always been good. But yeah. Can I um, I'm sorry. I'd like to see the Usos in the Being the Elite universe. <laughs> okay. I, I just think they're funny. I don't know. I like them. That's well, all. Have you seen them on Total Divas? They're tremendous. Yeah. Like they're charming, funny people. Like yeah, they're great. It's like the best part is that it is when both of them show up and then with Naomi, it's great. Like, what if there was a Being Ooh. the Elite actual reality show? Can they bring Naomi? I just thought of that. I think that'd be really interesting. I like Naomi. Yeah. Yeah, just she rules. Yeah, Tony, uh, Naomi, and the Usos, please. Thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Uh, okay, and I, I guess uh, there was a little tease in Road to Double or Nothing that maybe uh, maybe Goldust is going to be the guy who faces Cody at uh, Double or Nothing. Yeah, basically they had a little segment where um, I think it was QT Marshall uh so there was a phone call for cody <laughs> um and it was personal or it was someone close uh and cody didn't want to take the call but it was hinted very heavily that whoever was on the call was a potential opponent for cody at double or nothing uh Goldust, i think just had an interview within the last week about how he you know sort of regretted that he never had that big match singles match with cody um you know there was always a push to have them do it at wrestlemania or something so totally makes sense that's a fine sort of third, no, fourth from the top featured match that would probably have a lot of silly overbooking and fun shit like that, um, which I'd be fine with. And yeah, it would be cute because, you know, they're, they're, we're not expecting that Goldust can go at a super high level anymore. Um, so yeah, throw Brandy in there, throwing Spears around or whatever the case may be. But he's like an agent with WWE, right? I think he's, yeah, uh, employed by them in some capacity. I don't know. Seems weird to me for him to just be like, eh, I'm going to give up this cushy agent job that's probably like a lifetime gig and uh, go do this match with AEW. Yeah, but it, his brother's a vice president in AEW and it's. Well, sure, he can get a cushy gig yeah. for as long as AEW exists, I suppose. Yeah. But uh, WWE does seem. There's a higher likelihood WWE will exist for the rest of Goldust's life than <laughs> AEW. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Uh, do we want to talk about the uh, Elio de Fantasma uh, lawsuit? I don't know if we know enough about it. Go ahead, Mike. It's interesting. It kind of plays into AAA, and we kind of touched a little bit on there. Elio uh, de Fantasma, Cody was the one who followed him, right, Nate? Yes. So he has been someone that for a long time has been looking to move, move on beyond Luch Underground and AAA. He lost his mask in the most recent AAA, Triple Mania show, their big, the, the biggest show of their year, he lost the ma his mask in the main event there. And it, it started coming out yesterday that there was a lawsuit filed because the Lucha Underground contracts are, with the exception of another comp of, of a different company, the most restrictive contracts I've ever heard of for talent in professional wrestling. A lot of the native Mexican wrestlers signed seven-year contracts with it, and this was a big issue for the ones that especially started getting buzz in the American Indies because season one, because that was a big deal that they were getting paid very little money. And I believe the number that was mentioned in the Lucha Underground 
lawsuit that Hio de Fantasma presented was that they were being paid $4,000 a year in comparison to what could have been made elsewhere. And this was considered a big deal for the Lucha Brothers because we mentioned earlier, they had a rather acrimonious split with AAA a couple of years ago that seemingly has kind of passed over. Something that wasn't brought up tonight was that I believe uh, Ray Phoenix is the AAA mega champion and he didn't have the belt and he didn't come out with it and they didn't make a mention of it, but they brought up Sammy Guevara's cruiserweight title, but that's just a side note. But it's really big because a lot of people who are, who now have been appeared on being the elite and have appeared on these uh, programming for all elite wrestling are people who are under Lucha underground contracts. Sonny kiss just signed one for season four. Uh, Joey Ryan is someone who has been very involved in the being the elite universe, the extended universe. And he's under one and he signed on as a part as a party. And I think they're doing a class action lawsuit was one of the, is one of the lawsuits going on there. And then of course, the Lucha Brothers are a part of it as well, or, or were a part of it. They have not been mentioned in the lawsuit, but it's just a very kind of a big moment, at least for workers' rights, especially wrestlers' rights, considering how restrictive and constrained these contracts are, because Hio del Fantasma was one of the wrestlers who was originally noted to do the first Cruiserweight Classic, and that was in 2016. So he's kind of been jerked around by this, and it's a big deal because these contracts are considered to be the big issue is that it's the one of the day-to-day people, Dorian Roldan, are the people that have to make this decision about this. And he is one of the uh, two big people in power along with his mother in AAA. So it's interesting. It's it's kind of uh it's kind of all elite adjacent, but something that I feel like as we're building up to the show, double or nothing, that's something worth kind of considering or at least keeping our eye on a little bit because a lot of talent that seem to be connected are party to or are affected by this lawsuit. Yeah. I, I, my understanding is there are two lawsuits. The, right. the Phantasma lawsuit is just about uh, voiding the contracts. And then there's a, I'm not sure if it's a class action. It may be. The other lawsuit is, is about getting the money uh, that these guys and, and gals could have made by working elsewhere if they hadn't been under these contracts. So a judge would have to go back in time and say, this you know, contract was unconscionable from day one. And so I think that's a tough claim to make, but I guess I don't know much about Mexican law. So I'm probably not the right guy to, uh, or no, I guess this would be filed in LA probably, right? Yeah, uh, so, I think it's an LA lawsuit, yeah. at least from the press release. Yeah, and California law on employment is uh, vastly different than it is around the country. Mm-hmm. So I'm not an employment lawyer, so I would be the wrong guy to talk about it anyway. Uh, but I definitely don't want to talk about California employment law. So don't know how that'll work out. Obviously, it's very important uh, from a worker's perspective because you have people who were making pretty low day rates and only making it if they worked. So uh, to the extent that Lucha Underground doesn't run, they just don't they don't get paid. Uh, so but they also can't work elsewhere to make money. So, uh, right. It's, it's a bad, it's a bad move for everybody. It's a bad move for everybody. And there are still years on these contracts. And it kind of was talked about on Twitter today that the bucks were offered a contract to Lucha underground at one point. And apparently the money that was offered was borderline ridiculous for a tag team that was well known both in the United States and, and new Japan. So it, it's interesting. It's kind of one of those things that I think that if you're someone who's trying to keep, who's trying to keep abreast everything that's happening 
and it being the elite extended universe and all elite wrestling. It's something to kind of keep your eye on, and especially now that AAA's in cahoots with all elite wrestling. Yeah, there was some talk that, you know, well, did the do the cons have anything to do with this? Are they bankrolling this? I think that's squashed pretty easily now that they're working with uh, AAA. Uh, but you're right. There's still something we should be paying attention to, uh, if nothing else, based on the talent that's going to be available to AEW. Okay. I think we have covered uh, everything that's been in the news about AEW since the last time. I, I guess we didn't say at the top of the show that we usually drop these on Tuesdays, but we wanted to wait this week for the press conference. So that's why uh, not really sure then if we'll come back on Tuesday, that'd be pretty quick. Uh, but we'll, you know, of course be back next week at some point to talk. Uh, but we still have more folks. Uh, it's not quite over yet because we still need to talk about Mondays being the elite. A uh, lot of fun stuff I thought on this episode. So Nate, can you break it down for us? Yes, I can break it down. Um, I'm gonna let's let's drop the like elitologist or whatever goofy title. Um, that's making me feel weird now. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so being the elite, this was what date was this? Two four February four, yeah, Monday. Uh, starts with a meeting with Cody Billy Gunn, who's identified as an AEW head coach by Cody, I believe, and a man with blurred face who is identified as talent relations or something like that. Uh, the man with the blurred face is very obviously Christopher Daniels, but they kept poorly blurring his face for this entire segment. I'm not sure if that was because they went and wanted him to be like a generic talent coordinator guy, or if it was to continue the story where he has a chipped tooth, but whichever way it was, that's what happened. So they're having a meeting with Adam page. Um, Cody tells Billy, you know, he's the executive vice president you're my head coach, tell Billy or tell Adam that uh, he can't be in full gear. He doesn't have the body for it. Uh, it says it very diplomatically. Billy Gunn turns around and tells Adam Page that he's fat. Uh, it was pretty good delivery on that line. Um, and then AEW Talent Relations, blurry face guy, uh, very professionally tells Adam that he needs to get gear with long pants and sleeves. Adam tells the blurry guy to tell Cody that he's being an asshole. Daniels sugarcoats it for Cody and basically says, hey, it's great. He's going to do whatever you want. Uh, and Cody hears that despite sitting directly across the page from Adam saying this and acts like it's good news. Uh, it was a cute little segment. Uh, next segment is Cody and Adam meeting with Darby Allen at the new show. Uh, this was the show in Waterbury, Connecticut. It looks like they're in like uh, outside of Waterbury Police Department office or something, but it, it, it seems really outside of Randy Orton. <laughs> it, it seems to just be like the backstage for that show that they showed up at Cody offers Darby Allen a million dollars, uh, which I mean, signed Darby Allen, uh, you know, anybody that listens to everything evolves knows that Darby Allen is the best guy in that promotion. I'm also a big Darby Allen fan. Um, you know, you, you might sort of be meeting your quota of like undersized moody brooding guys with, uh, Jimmy Havoc, but, Darby's way better and will kill himself to get over. So got to get Darby. So hopefully this is presaging something there. Anyway, Cody is interrupted by Flip Gordon, who tells him to be careful um, with MJF because he knows that MJF is two-faced. That sets Cody off and he starts to go at uh, Flip Gordon. And there's a pull-apart brawl with everybody on that entire new show jumping in there to pull them apart you know, in sort of a comedic way. Uh, interesting that this is the first time we've seen Flip on the show. Uh, the BT show since 
you know, AEW launched, even though he's still under Ring of Honor uh, contract. All right, so then we get the Bucks are at the MGM Grand. Uh, they do sort of uh, a, a little cameo of Lesnar here because they are underground or backstage at the MGM, and they show a picture of Lesnar from one of his UFC fights that's like on the wall. So that was interesting to note, you know, but the, again, they, they do things to be cute, but they also do things a lot uh, with a purpose behind them. Matt notes that he was there for Halloween Havoc 2000 in the building. Uh, if you listen to the Observer the other day, they run through that card with Meltzer, just a brutally awful card. Um, if we don't have anything to talk about some week, we should watch Halloween Havoc 2000. Um, <laughs> and then Matt notes that he met Ray Mysterio Jr. in the lobby at that show when he was a young man. Uh, so yeah, they're getting these seats scaled and priced for the on sale for the MGM Grand. They say that the wrestling record for that building is about twelve thousand, so they're scaling it for fourteen thousand. Okay, then we got the chip tooth bit again with SCU. Uh, Daniels enters wearing a bandana over the bottom of his face, um, and then Kaz and Scorpio Sky are mean to him about it, and he gets mad. Uh, then we go and they recap the new appearance. Not really anything other to note there that you haven't seen, you know, babyface promo, whatever. Um, and then they have the Bucks are backstage talking to Byron Pillman Jr. right when their entrance music starts at the Macaloon Productions show. That was the show uh, you may have heard about during Super Bowl weekend in Atlanta where everybody showed up. Uh, again, they show the official show footage here. They don't have, you know, their fan cam or, you know, their own cameraman for this clip they actually got the show from the macaloon productions people so joey janela is on commentary along with kevin gill and uh some third guy joey's uh characteristically funny and then they don't show the whole brawl or aftermath that happened during the actual lucha brothers angle on that show um but basically that was where the young bucks showed up and offered the lucha brothers the contract to come and prove that they're, you know, not the number two tag team in the world, or the number one tag team in the world, which we saw paid off at the press conference earlier tonight. Final segment is Kenny, who is in his gamer chair, um, much like Doctor Disrespect, in his gamer gear. He's hey. geared out in gamer gear. That that's a that's an expensive chair. Like I've looked at those chairs. Like he's a true hardcore gamer. What can we he's say? Like your vice president, Mike. He's good. yeah. I, I don't doubt that he can afford expensive gamer chairs. Maybe that chair. Yeah, maybe they're going to get special AEW gamer chairs. Like I've seen people make those chairs before for other things. Like that could be the official broadcast chair of Double or Nothing. Who knows? They did. You know, when he did that uh, show for CEO, didn't they? Didn't the commentary team sit in gamer chairs? Wasn't that a thing? Or am oh, I yeah. imagining that? The, for almost all these like esports events, they all have gamer chairs. Like they're That's all sponsored right. by them. It's a racket. Like, no, no, they had kitty chairs for uh, the CEO show. They had what chairs? Kitty chairs. Okay, chairs. Oh, did not notice that that CEO this show. Is a, this is a he booked a pedophile joke. Sorry, oh. Oh, I, was, I, I thought I said cat. I didn't realize. You were I thought that's where you were going. Well, but it didn't make any sense at all. Kitty. <laughs> what is a kitty chair? I don't know. It's like a little chair that a kid sits in, man. Uh, okay. Let's go back to uh, some real comedy, being the right. elite. <laughs> all right. Um, so, yeah, Kenny is in his gamer chair. He has, like, all this Resident Evil gear on, like a shirt and a hat. He's on the phone with Nick. He's having a heart-to-heart about, you know, his big decision that he has to make, that he's a free agent. Uh, and then the, the joke here is that it turns out he was talking about if he should play Leon or Claire's story and Resident Evil 2 first. Um, 
yeah, no, not nothing really to report on that. We all knew that he was coming, and he ended up showing up at the press conference tonight. Uh, the only entertaining thing about this segment really was how utterly baffled Dave Meltzer was trying to discuss it on the show the other day, because <laughs> there is a there's a, like an ongoing bit where when they make phone calls on BTE, like they expose that they're not real phone calls. Like they'll have somebody on a phone, but they'll zoom the camera into his phone and show that. You know, it's not on a phone call. It's showing a picture or something like that, Goofy. So the whole thing we heard was like, give me <laughs> Kenny, call them on a tablet, not even a phone. And Dave <laughs> was trying to figure out what this meant because Kenny pretended like he was using a landline. That um, was just classic Dave. Uh, yeah. Classic Dave. Um, I don't know. Uh, inability to <laughs> comprehend or something. Um, but yeah, the sort of a uh, now. Um, obsolete show to discuss but that was bt for this week do you think dave knows what resident evil is like other than a movie like do you think he thinks it's a movie like series and not a video game well we know his son uh and of course best uh yeah, you know, best, we wish uh, the best to to dave's son uh because we understand he's sick and stuff uh but he is a gamer mm-hmm. we know that he's gamed at pro wrestling events before so i'd i'd be willing to wager that his son is aware of resident evil and might have clued dave into it so do we think that Dave also has heard of Ninja? Like, these are the questions I would ask Dave Meltzer if I ever really got a conversation to talk to him or a chance to talk to him about things that wasn't why Shima should be in the Hall of Fame. These are things I wonder. So let's see. He, we, we know he's aware of, like, Logan Paul. Okay. he did a fight. I think we would have to get Ninja in some sort of shoot fight for Dave to, to be aware of him. But I could see his son being like, oh, yeah, I'm watching a Twitch stream. Like, Dave has watched Twitch streams. He might have seen the name Ninja there. Yeah, could could be true. Um, I, don't understand, other evidence. I don't understand the video game streaming phenomenon. Too old for that. Um, no but I was thinking about I was thinking about getting back into Resident Evil. Ah, well, cool. I played a lot of Resident Evil when that when the first game was out. Yeah, that, I mean, those those are those are like formative uh you know, nostalgia experiences. Really just Resident Evil 2. I don't think anybody, you know, those was one of those games you played as a kid where you like, you'd play the first three hours over a dozen times and then never progress because you'd always play with a, you know, at a new friend's house or something like that. I never played a single Resident Evil game because I do not like being startled. Like I have like a, <laughs> like I have, I have like, I, I, I like don't like watching like slasher movies, not because like I get spooked, just because the act of me getting like shocked, like the startle just gets, makes me angry. I don't know why I just yeah, don't I like mean, being no, startled. Yeah. I don't like a cheap scare. Yeah. Cheap scares are bad. Yeah. But I love right. Hitchcock, which is weird. But anyways. Resident Evil was set in a ball pit. I'm trying to like how I could have made this joke better. Um, I I think that I think the moment has passed. (laughs) (laughs) We should, yeah, we should dig in deeper on that. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's everything uh, for this week. Uh, I do want to talk more about. We'll hold this off for the next episode because I don't know how much more news we're going to have. But at some point, I want to talk about like. How are they going to keep the momentum up from February 7 to May 24 when they've already given us, you know, four solid matches and two or three more uh, possible matches? And they have promised us that these are not going to be like uh, 30 match cards. So, yeah. Well, so, it, so that's easy because wrestling is a forward looking hype business more than it is anything else. You know, it's like primarily marketing. It's like marketing combat is really what pro wrestling is. 
So you just keep putting out hype videos. They have two different web series. All you have to do is announce new talent on them, announce new matches on them, or, you know, throw in fun cameos to pop people. Um, it's like, you know, I, I'd uh, analogize it to the next Kojima game, Death Stranding. Like, I don't actually have any interest in playing Death Stranding. I just want a new trailer for that game every four months or whatever. That's, you know, it, it, it's about the hype. It's not about the actual experience. Nate, I said I wanted to save this content for the next episode. Well, I just I just nailed the whole, you know, I'm sorry to, you know, solve it so easily for you, but that's just what I do. <laughs> well, I guess our next episode will be about 10 minutes long, so everybody be excited for that. Well, I mean, we could talk about Death Stranding. I mean, I have my theories. That's what's really going to happen is over the next uh, two and a half months, this show is just going to get more and more uh, obscure. <laughs> and we'll just talk about whatever. It's the gaming uh, podcast now. It's a gaming podcast. No, and I will not be on a gaming podcast. Mike, what are you playing right now? Oh, I have Langriser for the for the cell phone, and I've actually played the new Battle Royal game that came out earlier this week. Yeah, you know, I tried that the other day. I it's fun. Played it. Yeah, it's. You are you know. not? Are you not a Battle Royal person? No, I feel like that's a young man's genre. The only game that matters is Bandori, and I, I won't hear otherwise. Okay. Can't argue with you on that point. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, I think I I. Uh, successfully stop that <laughs> okay here's the tangent do you think they'll re- shoot a new bandori commercial in japan since kenny omega has left new japan now do you think they're going to get a new bushi road employee in there to play bang dream they're going to have to but maybe bang dream will now do a uh, deal with uh awe aew no, bang, bang dream is owned by bushi road yeah at nate i was kidding well be serious here they're not going to work with aew come on that's the competition now we're going to get Jay White playing Bandari in like a weird <laughs> room with a bunch of textbooks ripped up and pasted on the walls, and he'll be sitting there playing his cell phone. It would be so bad. No, they should just do Taguchi. Yeah, Taguchi's the natural one for that. Or, yeah. Or Rocky yeah. Romero and Rapongi 3K. Yeah, yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. That's it. I, I, think, I, think, you're, I think you're trying to appeal to a feminine audience with the game. Maybe your Ponga 3K would work. I don't know that Taguchi works. Taguchi seems like a different demographic. Well, mate, Taguchi still needs to perform Keep on Dreaming. So I don't know. Not familiar. Don't know. know. (laughs) Okay. People who valued effort. The, the the real Tori Mon X fans out here will okay. get the reference <laughs> yeah. there. Yeah, you're wrong. Know your audience, Mike. <laughs> I know. I know. I know what we'll do for two and a half months. I'm going to keep on throwing random stuff that I watched that Aaron Bentley does not like at yeah. him. And eventually he's going to have both a Dragon System person and a AAA person by the time of Double or Nothing. <laughs> and I think it's going to be Pagano and I think it's going to be El Lindemann. Oh, I already like Elendeman. Okay, so we're already halfway there. Nate, are you suggesting that it's that I, when I say Bandori, I'm saying it wrong? No, I was not. You said Bandori. <laughs> oh, maybe I did, but no, it's it's one of those. Uh, I didn't. I did not take uh, issue with your pronunciation of that. I do still take issue with your pronunciation of GIF, obviously. Uh, but Mike, yeah, I, I did find out that Jam Project wrote that old Dragon Soul song that was recently uh, communicated to me. Oh yeah, Jam Project has done a lot of stuff for Dragon Gate. Yeah, big uh, big idol and video game mm-hmm. production, music production group there. So okay. it all comes back together. It all ties in. Well, it's uh, about midnight here on the East Coast. Yeah. Uh, so going to uh, shut this thing down. Uh, Mike, 
the beautiful soul that he is, is going to edit this and get this out. And you'll hopefully be hearing this early Friday morning. want to make sure you listen to this before you listen to whatever Rich is going to record about the uh, press conference. Uh, this is where you want to be for all AEW news. Do you think Rich is actually going to talk about any AAA wrestlers? He's not going to talk about Pagano. He's no. not. He's not going to talk about the uh, the spire webbing of wrestling. We got to hear for you first. Yeah, big shouts to Rich, by the way. Big right. shouts to Rich. But definitely, real, real sweetie. But listen to us first. Yeah. Okay. Well, I think that's it. We'll be back uh, sometime next week. We'll figure that out when the when that makes the most sense. Uh, look forward to seeing you then. Make sure you're subscribing. Uh, be feel free, please, to rate and review. Uh, shoot us that big five star review. And uh, follow us on Twitter at everything AEW. Uh, you can get me at Aaron like the car. Nate is at Epitasis, E P I T A S I S. And Mike is at Fuji Heya, F U J I I H E Y A. That's it for Nate, for Mike. I'm Aaron. We'll see you next time. Bye. I can't-